Hey everyone, welcome to the Friends You Can Grow With podcast. I am Matt Nespri, and sitting down with me today, I have two great guests I'm very excited about. We have returning Dwayne Reiner um, and Mr. Dr. Steve Meeker. Yes. So, why he's don't... a real doctor, I only play one on TV. <laughs> yes, I so. don't even watch TV with doctors. Yeah. So. Well, I'm not the kind that can really do you any yeah. good, I'm sorry. Right. Okay, yeah, actually, Doctorate I've, in education. I've got this pain in my elbow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Never mind, it's not, this is not a that kind of doctor, sorry. sorry. Yeah. I thought this was a medical podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. no, we just got a doctor to give us some <laughs> you know, credibility. Nice. Um, but I love that we have Steve here and Dwayne because we're going to be talking about something that is, I think, such a great topic when it comes to Christianity, and that is the book of Revelation. Right. I'm going to be talking about that a little bit. But before we dive into that, um, why don't we just refresh everyone who you are, Dwayne, and then Steve will go to you and you can introduce yourself and a okay. little bit about your story. So Dwayne, give us a refresher. So uh, I work here at The Ark, been here for at the time of recording, almost 13 years. Mm -hmm. So I love working with all ages, spend most of my time working and teaching kids, but also love working with adults, teaching them, getting to preach, things like that. Mm -hmm. So just thankful for those opportunities. Yeah, that's great. And I'm Steve Meeker, and I've been coming to the ARC for 24, almost 25 years. I started wow. in 1999 in the old roller rink. Wow. And uh, so I've seen some changes yeah. around. Um, but uh, I have um, uh, been a school teacher for most of my career. I just retired the uh, year before last. I uh, taught 42 years, wow. and about 30 of those years were either in Conroe or Montgomery, so most of the time here in Montgomery County, and most of that time teaching world history and world geography. Um, I had I've also done some administrative work and mm -hmm. done a little bit of teaching at the college level for Sam Houston State. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so... Um, uh, that's kind of about uh, my background of who, who I am and how I got yeah. here. Um, you were wanting to know about how I got interested in, in the book of Revelation. I've always been interested in it. Mm -hmm. And um, oh, my, my wife and I have been married. We actually, my wife and I met here at the Ark. Oh, wow. During the deep truth question. Okay. Seriously, That's during the deep funny. truth question, it was uh, um, on August of uh 2008 it was a very hot day and pastor allen happened to say do you like this hot weather or do you think do you prefer cool weather <laughs> and i saw this attractive lady sitting next to me and i said uh, well i miss the nice cool weather in seattle where i'd just been visiting some friends and turned out she had a daughter that just got married in seattle and so hmm. that struck up our conversation and uh, we talked more that day and i invited her to have lunch with me and amazingly she said yes and uh, so we just never stopped from there. We've hmm. dated for about a year and a half, and now we've been married for 14 years. Just celebrated our anniversary uh, in December. Wow. So as we were soon after we were married, she said, you know, I've always, or even while we were dating, she said, I've always wanted to go to Greece. Mm -hmm. And just always had this desire to go to visit Greece. And I said, well, let's pray about it and see if God opens up the opportunity for us to do that. And uh, so in time, it looked like we were going to get to go. And so I always thought, well, isn't Patmos, the island of Patmos in Greece? I wonder if you can go there. Did a little research and it turns out you can. There was a ferry that goes there. And I thought, well, let's go there. I'd love to see where John was when he had this revelation. Mm -hmm. And so then I thought, well, okay, now this is really my chance to really study more mm -hmm. about this. So I ordered three or four different study guides and found one that really spoke to me especially it was called The Revelation of John, a narrative commentary by a fellow named Dr. James Resigy. And uh, 
you know, I have my doctorate, but I'll tell you, this was the most scholarly book I think I've ever read. I could mm-hmm. handle about two paragraphs at a time. It was very meaty, mm-hmm. and I had to let that soak in, and and then uh, before I could, you know, press, uh, press on. And I learned so much from his book. I, I started reading it a second time, and um, thought, kind of thought, well, maybe I can teach this. Mm-hmm. You know, I think maybe I can teach this so people can understand it because I know people really struggle with understanding revelation mm-hmm. and so that was intriguing to me to maybe do that and mentioned it to pastor allen and he encouraged me to develop the class and nice. so mm-hmm. uh, that's how we got started teaching revelation we've been doing it for this will be the ninth year that we've been doing it here at the well, i'll tell you my first interaction with revelation i was five years old <laughs> and my dad who was a pastor he was doing these which you have to have grown up in the eighties right. in, in churches to, to understand this. He did a film revival with these movies that had been made in the seventies. Right. In very early eighties. 16 millimeter 70s. movies probably, right? He was, they were reel to reels. Yeah. <laughs> and they were, the first one was called a thief in the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just started watching that. Cause you told me to. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. I was five years old. I was going to go scared me to death. Yeah. And so when they gave the altar call, I ran. I was five years old, but I knew yeah. I better get to the altar quick mm-hmm. or I'm in trouble. So it's funny because my first interaction with Revelation was fear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would say, if the honest truth is, a lot of the people watching this or listening to this podcast, their first interaction with Revelation was fear. Definitely. But in reality, that's not what the book is about. It's a victorious book. Mm. Exactly. It's not meant to... Yeah. drive us to fear it's yeah. meant to drive us to jesus right in fact quite the opposite it's yeah. meant to kind of give right. us a hope and spur us on. right there yeah. are some frightening things in revelation sure. but right. they're to wake us up mm-hmm. you know this this is not an ordinary book where things are 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 we can't just be complacent about it it yeah. challenges right. us you you've got to step in and pick a side you yeah. know basically was well, it yeah because that's really where they were coming from right if you put yourself in the position of the people John was writing to mm-hmm. in exactly. Rome, that's what he's essentially saying. Pick a side. Is it Jesus's kingdom or Rome's kingdom? Right. And so a lot of the, the visual imagery and stuff is based in the Roman world because he's the churches he's, he's writing with, right. to at the front. That's the ones he's challenging who you're going to decide. I love yep. that way you put that. Whose side are you on? Yeah. But the way that it's, I think, applicable today still is that uh, you know he's challenging us not to compromise with the values exactly. of the culture that we live in hmm. and that fits to anybody on this planet mm-hmm. no matter where you are you've got a choice you can follow the values of christ or you can assimilate to the culture that you live in mm-hmm. and revelation gives us pretty dire warnings about making the choice to compromise yeah so it's I really agree. really a challenge to us to you know look different from where the culture is that we are. Absolutely. And the th- I think that's why I say that. I think that's one of the most applicable books in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, if you're living in North Korea right now, right. is there a more applicable book to your life no. than Revelation? Exactly. You know, it's like literally the things it's saying is happening is happening to you. Right and there. you have to decide those life and death things. But I think it has a lot of applicability to like America. Absolutely. Not to get dangerous in mm-hmm. here yeah but we'll tiptoe with, i'll tiptoe carefully yeah because i understand there'll be people on both sides of political persuasions listening and watching this so right. i'm not coming down on either side mm-hmm. but what you said is right revelation is all about don't get too cozy with the world systems mm-hmm. exactly so it doesn't matter whether you're on the left or on the right or in the center or whatever 
don't get too cozy with mm. those things. And yeah. I think that's a really good point. And I, I think even I would even go further than say, don't let your emotions get caught up in those things hmm. either. Because we've, unfortunately, we've seen folks that have gotten caught up and gotten pulled off track. You know, yeah. I, yeah. I, I saw, uh, fortunately, people that have attended my class and then I've seen things that they got hooked off on, you mm -hmm. know, and they're, they're and I'm like, well, were you not paying attention? You know, mm -hmm. um, I've always liked the, the expression. Well, I, th I think to me, let me back up just a second. Revelation clarifies so much for us. The fact that really we have only two things to deal with. Number one, the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Number two, everything else. Mm -hmm. And everything else is temporary. Mm -hmm. Only the kingdom of God is permanent. Only the kingdom of God is lasting. And only what's done for the kingdom of God is going to stand. Mm -hmm. And so the things that get pulled us off track, the political system, the everything else that, that pulls at us, in the big picture, it's all of like uh, rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. it's none of it permanent. It's not yeah. going to last. So where does our passion need to be? It's got to be toward the kingdom of God. It's got to be toward what advances the kingdom of God. There's that constant interlude in Revelation 2, which is interesting, where you see a, the, the situation on earth, mm -hmm. and right. usually it's bad. Right. And then you get this glimpse into heaven. Heaven, yeah. And then it's like this glorious glimpses into back heaven. and forth. And mm -hmm. it's like, I always think about it like John's giving this like peek behind the curtain. Yeah. And he's saying like, you see all of this mm -hmm. and it looks rough, which... To me, is very applicable to today right. yeah. and to a lot of people. But then John keeps telling them, like, "Hey, yeah, look behind the curtain. There's something yeah. going on." A bit right. like the Wizard of Oz when we see the wizard behind yeah. the curtain, <laughs> yes. moving the gears. There's things happening, right? right. And we're not seeing it. Yeah. And so, yeah, Steve, as as a history teacher, was history one of the big things that drew you to Revelation? Um. I, perhaps it is, yeah. That time, the time of the Roman era, and who's who John was dealing with. In fact, I just want to talk about John for just a second. Okay, you know, uh, he, he's such an admirable person. Where do we when we first encounter John? You know, he and his older brother James are working on their father's fishing boat when Jesus walks by and says, "Follow me." And yeah, Luke, Luke ties that into the catch of fish. He maybe even still be a teenager at that point. He's very young. Mm -hmm. But by the time he has this revelation, he's very old. Mm. He's probably 80, if not older. Mm -hmm. And he's the only one left. He's the only one who hasn't been martyred for his mm. faith. And it's not they didn't try. There's there, The story is that the Romans were going to try to uh, burn him at the stake, and he didn't burn. <laughs> I don't mm -hmm. know. That's not in the Bible. That's been yeah. Christian legend passed down. And so... Basically, they put him out on this island uh, where they, where he couldn't mm -hmm. do any harm, you know. And, to live and, out his life. Yeah, basically, yeah. that's where they put him. And so, you know, yet he, so he's out there worshiping the Lord one morning, and he hears this huge noise behind him, and he turns around, and he has this incredible vision of Christ with, uh, you know, this uh, white hair and this brilliant face, and his mm -hmm. feet are like bronze, and and uh, there's this, uh, uh, there is when he speaks, it's like the waterfalls, mm -hmm. and there's this sword protruding out of his mouth. A strong metaphor, the power of the words of Christ, and it's so. Oh, and he's got the stars in his hand. You know, mm -hmm. incredible vision of of Jesus. And uh, John says, you know, um, I saw him and I, I fell over like I was dead, yeah. like he fainted. Mm -hmm. And so I like that that stars in his hand. In verse 16 of chapter 1, Jesus is there with the stars in his hand. And in verse 17, he takes that same hand, puts it on John's shoulders, and says, 
It's me, John. Huh. Don't worry. Don't worry. You're afraid. Don't be afraid. You know. Yeah. I'm right here. I'm the same Jesus that walked with you. Just yeah. so you might want to see what I really look like. It know? reminds me of the Transfiguration. Yeah. Huh. Where he does the same thing. You know, yeah. he's transformed right. into this thing, and then he puts his hand yeah. on Peter when mm. Peter's frightened. But you know, John same was thing. There. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Oh, putting yeah. that hand on him. It's kind yeah, of interesting. I that, wonder if John was even thinking about that moment. Probably mm -hmm. so, and, and it probably occurred to him that I was the author of the book says the hand that controls the cosmos. Yeah. also consoles the individual yeah right, that, that'll preach right there and john had a lot to be afraid of right, right? when we're talking about the time he lived in yes. the roman empire there was a lot going on exactly give us a taste of what that was like well you know like i said he saw his brother james get beheaded for mm. preaching the gospel um he saw um his uh you know all the other disciples that started off with him one by one they were all executed for preaching the gospel uh, he helped establish a church Okay, it was one of the seven. I think it was in Pergamon. And the pastor there was boiled, boiled to death in broiling oil. Mm. And so he saw that. He saw those things uh, occurring. And so he knew every day his life was in danger. But I think, uh, again, that brings us back to the point of Revelation. It is a reminder to us that when we say, I gave my life to Christ, it should be more than just a salvation experience. It should mean I've really given it to him. Mm -hmm. It's his to use now. I consider it not mine anymore. I've given it to Christ. Now, most of us that have lived for Christ any, any length of time know that you give your life to Christ, he gives it back to you so much better than it ever was before. But still, it's his, and he can call it in at any time, mm -hmm. and then you get to go home. We're taught to look at death in a different way. To John and to the world he was describing, you know, death wasn't anything to be fearful of. And, you know, you serve, serve God here, and then you get to go to this great place that he got a glimpse of. Mm -hmm. yeah. The other thing I want to say about John is that he was such a descriptive writer. You know, he had these glimpses into heaven, and he saw things that nobody has ever seen before, and yet he describes them. He uses a lot of similes and metaphors to try to, tie them into something th from this world that we might kind of see that mm -hmm. sort of look like this, like there's this uh, emerald kind of color around God's throne, and he's trying to describe it to us. And he does such a good job of being descriptive in his accounts that, uh, you know, it really paints a great picture for him. He's like our reporter on the scene there. Mm -hmm. and, and he starts right in the first chapter of, of Revelation. He says, I, John, am the one who saw this. And he says it again at the end of chapter 22 i john am the one who saw these things mm -hmm. you know and so you know he he's just so admirable in the way that he's and what i also admire about him is he would tell you when he did stupid things hmm. you know this angel was talking to me and i fell down and started worshiping the angel <laughs> and uh and he said no don't do that you know i'm uh i'm, I'm a fellow servant just like you mm -hmm. and so you know i do stupid things i don't want y'all to know about it but john put it right in there for us to see you mm -hmm. know so he, he just so much to admire about john in his writing i think mm -hmm. he was also um well versed in scripture because right. a lot of the imagery from revelation is borrowed from the old testament, old testament right you can see elements of the plagues in egypt in there right. the, uh, daniel yep. in his his visions which were apocalyptic in nature uh, like the genre of apocalypse like like john wrote in um right uh, zacharias some of those so there's there's a lot of um elements that john drew from so mm -hmm. he was well versed in his own scriptures yeah and was was bringing that in and also making it 
on making a new application to a new group of people yeah. who are going to be dealing with these issues. Um, it's interesting because you were saying he gives us a new view of death. And I think that's a great point because, you know, the, the word we use martyr mm-hmm. yeah. in Greek, it just means witness. Hmm. And so when we talk about a martyr, we basically mean somebody who's living out their witness. Now, exactly. we think of it as someone who dies for their beliefs. Yeah. But it was more than that. It was someone who witnessed to Jesus and, and his kingdom and mm-hmm. his him as king. Their whole life was a witness. Yes. Yeah. And I love what I love about Revelation, too. And you're saying that he gives us a new view of death is they, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the, the word, word of, of their, their testimony, testimony yeah. which is their death. Yeah. Hmm. They, so and in Revelation, death is victory. Mm-hmm. And that's the. So you got to imagine it's kind of the plot twist, you know, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's the twist. Yeah. It's a twist on the world, right? right. The world yeah. is always dead. When Caesar yeah. defeated an army and he conquered them, he would, you know, he would ride in through town in this parade leading yeah. the, the people behind, you know, the people yeah. would go in front of him, the slaves that mm-hmm. were now slaves because right. they were, had been captured and it was this victory parade Yeah, and right. he had conquered and he had bring death mm-hmm. and that death brought him victory. Mm-hmm. But it's the death of others. Right. But in in John's in Revelation, in John's view, and in, in the Christ's kingdom, right. it was Jesus's death, and then our death on behalf of following right. Christ, mm-hmm. which gives us victory over Caesar, mm. who is in that time frame the bad guy yeah. of yeah. that John's book, yeah. because that's who they right. understood as the bad guy. Exactly. So that's like the twist on it. Exactly. It's the it's John took this and. He turned it on his ear Mm -hmm. and he said, everything that you're told is wrong Mm. by the world system, by God's thing, by God's values, it's, it's different. And Mm -hmm. you got to imagine too, like you were talking about with the history, John's writing this group of people. It was bad. It was about to get way worse. Mm. The persecution in the first century was bad, but it was more localized Mm -hmm. and it would be like individual people who would persecute like this this governor would get kind of agitated and persecute or this mayor, you know, this right. city leader, whatever would do it. But in the second century, that's when all of a sudden it becomes very more, more widespread right. mm-hmm. and it becomes just sometimes increasingly intense. So John's writing, not just for people who are going through difficult times in their own city, he's writing for this group of people who's about to go through yeah. really bad stuff. Cause right. was this prior to the burning of Rome under Nero, where he blamed Christians? Most likely after it was, after? It was yeah. in that okay. same time. And it got even worse near the end of the third century under, um, was it Diocletian who was the Roman emperor who yes, really he was one he wanted to wipe out Christianity? I think and Domitian was a really bad one too. I believe he right. did a, a bad persecution. But so well, see, it's interesting you brought up the Nero thing because in some ways the Antichrist figure mm-hmm. is in John's view Nero, right? Hmm. Is sort of he he's the archetype for the Antichrist. Figure. He's the well, the Roman emperors wanted the people to believe that they were gods. Yes, and yeah, that, that was how you keep people under. If they think you're a god, I mean, the Senate would declare you are god. You know, yes. and so John was contrasting frequently who they claimed the false yeah. gods yes. with the real god. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then this was an interesting thing I had read one time, but like Nero had this thing about himself where he told people he would come back to life. And basically mm. become yeah. a leader again, like mm-hmm. take over. Yeah. And so when John uses that t- visual imagery of the Antichrist having a wound and then coming back like right. that, mm-hmm. he was, he, it was his, cause you remember, you, you know, like today, if somebody wants to write a, do a political cartoon yeah. or, or like if someone doesn't like 
our president, mm-hmm. you can just do a political cartoon right. that just mm-hmm. makes fun of it. Yeah. Right. Or you can do a monologue on a yeah. on a show and you can call that person by name mm-hmm. and nothing happens to you. Mm-hmm. Right. In John's day, that's not how it worked. No. <laughs> so he had to use imagery that alluded to and explained and directed people to without calling out the exact thing, but okay. you knew it. You knew yeah. what he was, you knew who he, he was talking about. Kind of tongue confusion. in cheek. Right. He yeah. wasn't, but it wasn't that he was just like tiptoeing around it because out of fear, it was just, you couldn't just call people out like mm-hmm. that, especially Caesar. Yeah. But he was doing it. Yeah. In a very, a very powerful way. But so that's why it's important to understand all this imagery yeah. has a purpose mm-hmm. and a reason because mm-hmm. he's giving He's alluding to things so that people understand, okay, this is, this is what Paul, this is what uh, John's writing about. This is what he's trying to teach us about. Mm-hmm. And this makes sense. Cause in that day, the religious system was Rome. Yeah. We yeah. talk about paganism, yeah. but they worship. No, well, the Christians Caesar. were actually called atheists. Yeah. yeah. Because they, they refused they to the worship gods. Caesar. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. It's funny that, yeah, the very first Christians were atheists according right. to the Romans. Huh. Um, but yeah, exactly. You had the, well, the whole pantheon of gods and then you know cities would pride themselves over having temples yeah. to certain gods right. remember the scene in paul yeah where, where in acts where paul yeah. they had the riot in ephesus exactly mm-hmm. uh, that's how crazy they were about their city you know their city temples and gods sometimes that was part of their economic base as well you yeah know, the so. temples, and if you didn't yeah. if you didn't worship caesar yeah. a lot of times that meant you didn't get to participate in the economic system yeah. because you had to stay away from the guilds and other exactly. things. And if you, it's kind of like, I guess when you say it's kind of like being part of almost like a union, like you can't be hired unless you're part of a union. Right. And so back then, unless you were part of the guild, you might not be able to trade with people. And they were dedicated to Caesar. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That was part of the feast. So when John's giving them this imagery and revelation, mm-hmm. he's, and he's talking about the economic issues and challenges. He's saying like, sometimes Following Jesus is going to cost you reputation, Mm -hmm. money, Mm -hmm. comfort, and then eventually possibly even your life. Mm -hmm. Right. And so again, the challenge is for Christians, should you accommodate to the system that you're, that you find yourself living in or should you persevere? Yes. Perseverance is one of the strong themes of revelation of Mm -hmm. sticking with Christ's values, regardless of, what else is going on around you, but sticking with them and being you know, persevering and staying with it, you know, um, that's, that's con- coming up over and over again. Um, one of the things you've said made me think also, you know, the, the revelation is so many depths and levels to it. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a lot of figurative language? Now, mm-hmm. sometimes people get a little uncomfortable, but you know, there's figurative language throughout the Bible. Jesus mm-hmm. used a lot of figurative language. Right. People always ask in our class, why is there so much figurative language? You have to work a little harder to get the the understanding, but when you do, it really stays with you. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, I, I Paul talked about going from we need to mature and go from milk to meat, mm-hmm. and figurative language makes things meatier. Mm-hmm. You know, throughout Revelation, numbers in in particular, like the number three, always references God, uh, with one or two exceptions. Um, for example, in um, in chapter four, we have the beautiful scene of these creatures around the, the throne. And what are they saying? They're saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is, and it's become, get three sections of three right there. Hmm. 
Uh, and so you kind of look for the threes when you're going through because they're almost always referencing God. The only time they're not is when the beast tries to mimic God by yeah. the three sixes. Hmm. The th and the six is an interesting number because the number seven is basically perfection and totality. Well, the six, he's trying to be a seven, but he's not going to quite make and it. And some then. people <laughs> think this isn't, this is sometimes debated, but it's an interesting thought in the Hebrew grammatria, which is the numbering system. That right. They would assign letters to, to right. represent numbers. Mm -hmm. 666 actually spells out Caesar Nero. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and so um, it's, just, it's very likely that yeah. was po quite possible. John's right. just another allusion to the world system mm -hmm. and making a thing of, hey, don't trust in these world leaders right. so much, you know, and, and yeah. don't don't put your faith in them and understand who they they are and who Christ is. So yeah. it's kind of an interesting thing. So the numbers are important, and sevens and twelves are super 12s. important. Yeah. And like and, multiple, and, multiples right. of those numbers, yeah. fours and three and a halfs are important. As so well, do I need know? a calculator when I read Revelation? Well, it's an or? It's just a to be aware of. Yeah. yeah, it's like what's well, a good thing to remember. It's like when yeah. people get well, like you would say, like some some cults like Jehovah's Witness or something mm -hmm. like that. You know, they they literally thought the 144,000 were going Was to be cap. only exactly. a cap. Yeah. A misunderstanding complete among right. many other things they yes. misunderstood, but misunderstanding yeah. completely, that was a representative number. Right. Uh, yeah. You think of 12, 12 tribes of Israel, yeah. 12 disciples. 12 means totality to God's yeah, exactly. people. Right? Yeah, and it is a representative of God's people right. because you had the 12 tribes, mm. but then you had the 12 disciples. Mm -hmm. Right. And then and then you have the 144,000, which is a multiple. Mm -hmm. So what is John's reason for needing to write with so much metaphor and simile? You mentioned how Jesus taught with parables and he makes the statement right. that he taught in parables so those who are blind can see. Um what is John's purpose for using so much imagery? You know, it, it just mimics the the depth of God, I think, because the the closer we get to God, the more we see of him that's there that we weren't aware of at first. Mm -hmm. And the writing in Revelation is the same way. You can read it and miss so much, and then you reread it, and then as you start looking at it more and studying it more, you think, oh my gosh, there's a whole lower depth that I didn't know about. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Uh, I'm not sure all the reasons why he did it. I'm not even sure he knew all the reasons why he did it. Mm -hmm. Yet it's so beautifully written. Uh, the the um, the literature is amazing. For example, uh, in the in chapter six, this is the beginning of the judgment section. Mm -hmm. Each of the four beasts is called with the word "come," and they come and they, they when the scrolls are open. So there's four comes at the beginning of chapter six. At the very end of chapter 22, when he's talking about Christ coming again, there's also four comes. Uh, I'm coming again. Yes, I'm coming. You know. And so it, it brackets, you know, the beginning of the judgment, end of the hmm. judgment. It's just, wow, that's so amazing that it's that. that it's just a whole other dimension that you didn't see before, you know, mm -hmm. that you didn't notice before. And so I, 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 to me, it's just part of the marvelous beauty and, and depth of of the way he writes and the, and the way the Holy Spirit inspired him to write, you mm -hmm. know, through him. It's also imagery was. It's also a genre. So, like, why does you know why did Agatha Christie always have the <laughs> the the setup, the murder, right. and the the Inquisition of the <laughs> of Perot, and then the reveal? Right. That was the genre. That's what you expected. Was certain mm. things from that literature. 
you, John wrote under the direction and inspiration of the Holy Spirit right. in an apocalyptic, apocalyptic genre. Mm-hmm. So he used figurative language to explain things. Mm-hmm. But I think on another, I never really thought about this, Dr. Meeker, but it might be interesting to see your thoughts on this. But I was just thinking as you were talking, I wonder in some ways too, if the figurative language, what we see as a, sometimes what gets almost called a, a negative or right. a, a handicap of the book, mm-hmm. if it's actually its strength hmm. in yeah, that if John had written in this book that was basically going to be is. He didn't know this, the cap of the New Testament. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But think about it. If he wrote in a very literal sense, mm-hmm. then it would have been much harder to apply that in generation. It might have been harder to apply that to generations, generations following right? in yeah. their circumstance. Yeah. So yeah. writing in this very figurative, symbolic, almost fantasy-like imagery, mm-hmm. right. it became if you think about it, you can apply it to Rome. You could apply it to Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. You could apply it to North Korea, to yeah. China, to any other, yeah. you know, any other empire Regime, right? that's tried to assert God. Right. Mm-hmm. You could apply these imagery and these principles mm-hmm. to that. And it doesn't necessarily tie itself to other than the fact that you understand who John was referring to immediately. It's yeah. easy to then put it transfers, that, transfer yeah. that reference trans- to mm-hmm. the, to the current situation. Yeah. So I wonder in some ways if the figurative language, once you kind of understand a little bit of what he's trying to get at right. mm-hmm. actually becomes a strength in applying the Bible to, to your life. Yeah. I think well, that's, you know, in, in the first chapter, he sees this vision of Christ and surrounding Christ are the seven candlesticks, which represent the churches. Mm-hmm. The number seven means totality. Right. So it's the, the total church from that day yes. until the, so the book is still written to us. Exactly. Today, and it still applies to us. And a, a side note on that image, I, I love the fact that the churches get their light from Christ. Sorry, I'm banging this microphone. You're good. The churches get their light from Christ, and then they reflect his that light to the darkened world around mm-hmm. them. What a great metaphor for as Christians. What do we do? We have to have the light of Christ reflecting in our lives, so that we can take that to the dark world and let it reflect to the people that are there. So that we can so the people don't see us, but they see Christ in us. Mm-hmm. And that's just another thing of what you're talking about. The, the that imagery transfers from the first century down to us, you know, 2000 years later, and it still fits today. Yeah. And it kind of goes, then also looks John's use of the old Testament. It harkens back to the lights that were in the temple. Yeah. Right? The church is the, the light, place right? where God's, where God and humans meet. Okay. The church, yeah. the people in the church, we're right. the temple of the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. So we, that we're like the light for the world. Yeah. And uh, so it's kind of interesting just bringing in those, the different imagery from the old, the new, and then applying it in new situations. Yeah. And I love how you said, um, Steve, about reading it over and over and over. I think it goes back to how so much of scripture is meant to be just meditated on, digested, read over and over that, which is uh, closer to how first century Christians would be reading these letters. They would hold them in such high regard um, how does that help us today when we're looking at a book like Revelation? How does it help me to read it over and over? It's not like a, a book I read in high school. I read it, write a report, and I'm done, right? Well, I'll tell you that I've been teaching it for nine years, and I learn something new every time I teach it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something that new that, that comes, comes, unfolds. You know, mm-hmm. Psalm 119, 130 talks about the unfolding of God's 
word and every time every time i prepare to teach it and go through it something new unfolds you know in my in the in the teaching for me and so uh, it again expresses the depth uh the many dimensions um can i show this real quick sure. yeah uh i think one of the times i always start with this little chart i don't know if you can see this um at the beginning of uh, the class and some mm -hmm. people say why do why is revelation so troublesome for so many people mm -hmm. because most books of the bible you have a definite starting place and you have a definite ending place and in between the action pretty much proceeds in a straight line chronologically mm -hmm. well revelation has a definite starting place and a definite ending place but in between well it doesn't go in a straight line mm -hmm. it jumps around it jumps forward into the future when you get to verse uh, chapter 7 when it talks about the saints in heaven you get to chapter 12 there's parts of it that seem to have Taking place way back in the uh, in the in the times even per, uh, before people were on the earth, perhaps, mm -hmm. and so it's just you can't make it this, uh, the same as the other books of the Bible mm -hmm. as much as you might want it to be. Mm -hmm. It's just different. It's laid out differently. It's got multiple levels going on. Sometimes you're on earth. Sometimes you're in heaven. Sometimes you're in the future. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're in John's time. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a, a different kind of a book like that. And so if you can kind of get that first understanding, okay, I can't treat this the same way I have the rest of the Bible. Uh, it helps you to to see it for what it is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the problems that we have nowadays is that we've lost the art of reading the Bible from a, a lot of times, not all the time, but there's many times where I feel like we've lost the literature of the Bible yeah. and the art of reading the literature of the Bible. Not to, and that is not that is saying nothing about the truth of the Bible. The Bible is true, authoritative, right. mm -hmm. and we should use it as our guide, as the word of God. Mm, exactly. But it is literature. Mm -hmm. God uses the things of this world, and it's literature is written. one of those things. <laughs> but it's but if you read the Book of Revelation as if in the same way you were trying to read the Gospels, yeah, it's going to make no sense, hmm. right? And that's where people start fitting in things that just don't make sense. I mean, when I was a kid, it was always about, and which of these imagery is an Apache helicopter? Yes. Yeah. And which one is a nuclear bomb? And, uh -huh. it's, and which country is which yeah. And which is China and, and which yes. is Russia? And yeah. That is missing the point. Yeah. yeah. If that were the point of the book, then what would have been the point for the last 1500, exactly. 1700 years? Hmm. It would have meant nothing yeah. to the church. Yeah. If all it was, was images of Apache helicopters, nuclear bombs, and Russian right. communists, mm -hmm. then Martin Luther would have had no purpose for it. John right. Calvin had no purpose. The people going through the Roman persecution would have had no purpose. Mm -hmm. exactly. It would have had no purpose if it was all about, if the only point of the book was to be read in such a literal fashion that mm -hmm. it could only be applied to the very last generation, mm -hmm. which may or may not be us. We yeah. don't know. We don't know. And so you, there makes no sense that it would yeah. be the only book of the Bible that was not meant to be read in the context to the people it was written to and yeah. applied to our day. Right. Yeah. So Revelation okay. more of has an overarching theme yeah. that is applicable throughout time all of history it's applicable right. to who john was writing to it's applicable to us now exactly and what is the main idea that we get from revelation uh, to me it's like like i said that um that the main thing we have to deal with is the kingdom of god and the choice that we make to follow that or to assimilate yeah. to the culture that we live cost in. you 
Right. And there's no third choice. You either, no. you know, you either are servants of God, you following the lamb, or you're following the beast. Hmm. There's not a third option. No, hmm. that's a good point. I like, I say it, um, I think for me, it was like, if I had to put it in, uh, in, in two words, I would say Jesus wins. Hmm. Right. And that's kind of, cause that's sort of the thing is it, it didn't, you got, it's hard, it's so hard to remember because we live in a world right. with 2 billion people who consider themselves part of Christianity. Right. Now put yourself back there mm -hmm. and you got these group of people and maybe in a, in a whole entire city, you might have 30 people who are Christians. Right. Or, small, small amount of believers. Yeah. Even in Rome, they thought yeah. when Paul wrote to the book of Romans, it might've been a hundred people there mm, that right. were Christians, maybe 150. Small gathering. In all of Rome. So you imagine this super small group of people when John's writing to him, yeah. it is growing, but it's still small comparatively. Yeah. How do you imagine in a world where freedom doesn't exist? Yeah. Roman peace was bought with murder right. and enslavement. It wasn't really peace. No, <laughs> a piece of the edge of a sword. Right. So imagine these people who are a minority of the society, no weapons, no freedom, no voting. Mm. And John's telling them, Hey, I got a secret for you. Jesus is going to win. Hmm. And this world power that seems unstoppable is going to get toppled. Right. Imagine being here, hearing that for the first time. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah. That's a, that concept is mind blowing for them. Yeah. But it's, it's not totally dissimilar. Imagine a, that kid in North Korea mm -hmm. that smuggles in a piece of the Bible right? and they read revelation and they think to themselves, could Kim Jong-un, could he really get toppled? Could, really by get, Jesus? could it really happen? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it seems unlikely. We don't have freedom. Yeah. We don't have voting. We don't have the, Any we rights. don't have the rights. Mm. We're persecuted. It couldn't happen. Could it? And John's like, yeah, it could because here I told you it would happen before it did. And then it happened. Mm. Right. So that's the, that's the thing. It's like Jesus wins, but you're so right in what you're saying about there is no middle ground. Right. And I think that's such a good point because mm -hmm. that's the point where so many of us, I think in the West are trying yeah. to live is the mm -hmm. middle ground. We're like, could we just kind of sit in the middle? Yeah. No. And John's like, no, you can't. Which right. he addresses right off the top exactly. with one of the churches, right? Where yeah. he talks about being lukewarm. Lukewarm. Yeah. yeah. Lukewarm. Yeah. One of the things that sometimes people come in and, and I'm not going to get into the pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib kind <laughs> mm -hmm. of thing. That's, that's a long discussion there. <laughs> yeah. But, a lot of minefields. In but that sometimes line. people come into a class thinking, uh, hey, uh, are we going to like slide out of here without any real <laughs> yeah. problems? You know, mm -hmm. can't promise you that. No, can't yeah. promise you the that. The book of Revelation doesn't, doesn't promise that. No, right. it certainly does not. Well, and it's not supposed to, right? Because to a certain extent, part of the Christian life is yeah. figuring out that tension. As Paul right. says, working out your salvation with exactly. fear and trembling a little okay, bit. Okay, well... Since we're just meddling here, Let's yeah. I'm going to get into it. Okay. Okay. I just, I just want to throw this out there to think about for a second. If we're saying that God only cares about Western Christians enough that when it gets really bad in the West, then he'll swoop in and rescue us from us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Isn't that a slap in the face to every Chinese Christian who endured right. torture 
in the yeah. 1950s. Isn't that a slap in the face to every Islamic or to every Arabic Christian right. who's suffered under Islamic State in yeah. the 2000s? Yeah. To say that their value is not the same as ours hmm. is what it's saying to say, well, Jesus didn't come back for them, but mm. if things get bad for us, he'll come back. Yeah. What does that say about us? Right. And our view of us and our view of God mm -hmm. to say that somehow we, because we live we're the, in the we're West, the spoiled Westerners, <laughs> yeah. we should be somehow immune yes. from it. Yeah, I'm not saying I want persecution. No. Right. I'm thankful for what we have. I'm thankful, and I pray exactly. that we don't have severe persecution. Yeah. But I don't want my people that attend my class to be surprised if we do. I you don't know, want them to be taken off guard. I know. don't know if this is a. I don't know. I don't know the total veracity of the story, but this was a story I was told that. They, the Chinese Christians, mm -hmm. when the missionaries were kicked out in the Chairman Mao and all that right. stuff, when they came back and like they were allowed back in like the 90s or 2000s, yeah. the Christians, some of them said to them, you told us we were going to escape this. Mm. And we didn't. Mm -hmm. Because what they went through mirrors exactly what was told in the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. And they believed they would escape that. Mm. And that's, that's why I say, I'm not coming down hard on one way or the other. I'm not saying it can't be this, it can't be that. But even if Jesus does rapture us out at some point, it doesn't mean we won't deal with persecution because mm -hmm. that's not what, by, that's not what revelation teaches. Mm -hmm. And I just say, we need to right. be careful of our, we need to be careful of our motivations for wanting the rapture and expecting the rapture for us mm. yeah. when recognizing that worldwide, there's been a lot of persecution and a lot of persecution going on right today. While we right. sit here in the comfort of yeah. the studio, there's people literally Seriously. tortured yeah. and being murdered because they are doing exactly what John told right. them to do, which yeah. was don't choose the world. Exactly. Yeah. The sixth uh, chapter of Revelation, when the scrolls are opened, in the fifth scroll, the scene shifts to heaven and the altar. And underneath the altar are the souls of those who have been uh, murdered for hmm. their faith, for proclaiming the gospel. And they cry out to God, how long, O oh Lord, how long are you going to wait until you avenge our deaths? And they're told, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer because there's more to come. Hmm. The number has not been filled yet. And so we see, it's four, this is January 2024, four years ago. In Nigeria, there was a Nigerian pastor who was captured by Muslim extremists. And they told him, you can walk right away here. All you have to do is deny Christ. He said, I will not do that. And he was murdered. Hmm. And so his soul has been added to that number under the altar. Yeah. And so you know, it's, it, it's happened, uh, it happened at a, a college in Kenya where extremists went in. And uh, there was a prayer meeting going on. And they went directly to that prayer meeting. This was in 2015. And uh, the Christians that were there were killed. The, the Muslims were allowed to leave. Mm -hmm. And if you don't think it can happen here, I'll remind you that in 2015, up in the state of Oregon, a man walked into a, a community college classroom and he said, hey, who's a Christian in here? Several rose their hand and he shot them. Hmm. And so it, uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I don't want people to, I don't want people to stay up at night worrying, but mm -hmm. get, as Pastor Allen has said, get in close to Jesus and hold on. Mm -hmm. And uh, because, uh, you know, it's martyrdom is a part of the history of our faith and we've been spared it somewhat here. Uh, but if that changes 
don't fall, don't uh, fall away. You mm-hmm. know, hold on to Jesus because we've got an eternity to live for Jesus. And yeah. It's not that we're sitting around expecting it. No, right. As some sort of martyr, and we should behave in such a way that invites unnecessary right. persecution. Mm-hmm. Like we should behave as good, solid Christians. But if we are persecuted for living the biblically, that's right. something we may have to deal with. But the thing is, is that's why I feel like the book of revelation exists is so that if for some reason in America, it gets to a place where we're not welcome for right. living biblically, we have a guidebook that what tells us what to do yeah. and how to react and don't so compromise. that we don't get freaked mm-hmm. out by it. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's cause like I said, remember John wasn't just, he wrote to the seven churches, but I like you think that that seven was a bit representative of all, all of churches. us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you got to remember, he wasn't just writing for those seven literal churches. He was writing for that next generation of Christians who were about to go through the ringer. Mm-hmm. And we're grateful. I think we're really grateful that on the whole, we're not getting that like they did. Right. It just doesn't mean that that couldn't happen. Exactly. And it just means we have to be ready for it. And ultimately, whether you believe in the rapture or not the rapture or a different timing of the rapture, Mm -hmm. the matter of fact, the one thing you can't deny that book of revelation teaches is Jesus will return. That's the solid fact. And when he returns, he will set up a kingdom Mm -hmm. and the kingdom that will, will last. And, and it's a, it's a bookend. Revelation is a bookend of the Bible. Yeah. You begin with the garden. Mm Mm-hmm. And the, and the sort of the garden as the temple, right? Yeah. And the, God's presence with people, and you end Revelation with a, a temple mm-hmm. and a garden, kind of feeling in the presence of God with the we people. See His face. What a beautiful mm-hmm. scripture! Yeah. Everything that was begun that yeah. Satan tried to destroy has been restored, and right. that's really the hope of Revelation. Yeah, is it doesn't is whether you survive through it through all the problems right. and you're the the last generation, or whether you're martyred you will be with Jesus. Right. Yeah. One thing uh, I just want to add, and you just, you know, the, what you said about Jesus wins is my favorite scene in, in Revelation is in chapter five. And it, it opens with, uh, in chapter four, we have this great worship service where attendants are around the throne of God and, and worshiping God. And chapter five begins with a scroll appearing in God's hand. And this call goes out, to heaven and earth and under the earth. Who is worthy to open the scroll and break the seal? But then there's a long pause. And John says, I wept bitterly. Mm-hmm. Another thing about John, he's real emotional. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> he, he's not afraid to put his emotions on the table. But he said, I wept bitterly. But then he said, one of the elders spoke to me, said, don't fear not because the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered and mm-hmm. is able to open the scroll. So now if we heard that description, let's say on Sunday morning, Pastor Allen says, uh, we got a guest speaker today, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Well, we would expect this strong personality to come bounding out on the stage and Mm -hmm. fill the auditorium with strong pronouncements. But in the next verse, he says, I looked and I saw the slaughtered lamb. Mm -hmm. Oh man, that just, that gets to me every time that that Jesus in all of his power is the slaughtered lamb. Yeah. And think about from their perspective, Many of these were the down and out in society, the outcasts, the slaves. Jesus suffered the slaves, the convicts, the right. defeated enemies' death. Yeah. Right. 
So when they saw Jesus, they saw the person who understood them better than anyone because hmm. he went through, he didn't go through the death of a high born Roman citizen. Yeah. He went through a slave's death. Yeah. And so when they see that slaughtered lamb, yeah, it's like, he gets me. Yeah. He knows what I'm going through right now. And sometimes in life, you don't have to be removed from something if you just know that some that someone's with you mm. right. and you know that they understand you it strengthens you to go through yeah and that's what it is with Jesus he went through the thing that slaves went through and so they felt i believe when they saw that they felt like he he's he's one he's uh, he knows us mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and I just hearing you guys talk, it makes me think Revelation is in a way an expansion of the last week of Jesus's life where he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He, he says, Father, I don't want to drink this cup. If there's a way right. to be rescued from it, I would like that. But nevertheless, your will be done. And sometimes what Revelation shows us is that Jesus saves us not necessarily from death, but through it. Yes. Does that is that correct? That yes. Because if if our focus as as Christians is this resurrection life, we have to also acknowledge that there cannot be a resurrection without some kind of death. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It says in chapter seven that they came through the persecution, not mm -hmm. not not avoided from it, not yeah. set apart from it, but they came through it, and he walked through it with them, and then he meets them, and it says that. Uh, you know, he shades them and he, he, he nourishes them, you know, when we get there and, and heaven's scene is such a great scene of praise and worship to God. And, you know, what we have to look forward to there, what a great, beautiful picture John painted uh, for us about what heaven looks like. Well, mm -hmm. and the new earth is really the hope yeah. because someone put it this way. Um, if there were no resurrection, like bodily resu resurrection where you literally have a body that comes back mm -hmm. and functions and lives, right. then Jesus didn't actually defeat death. Hmm. If it were just your soul comes back and it's just floating around, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's not a defeat of death because mm -hmm. the death still death got is you. A physical. Yeah. It still got you. Yeah. It's still one. So you have a new body, but you have a new body. Yeah. So it's the, when it says that death, you know, where's your sting? Mm hmm. That's, that's what revelation answers. It's mm -hmm. like, no, death is completely defeated. I mean, death is thrown, thrown into Hades at the end exactly. of the revelation. Mm -hmm. And that is only possible because Jesus makes it, Jesus gives us a bodily resurrection. Mm -hmm. And so that's a real hope is like, there's life after this life. Yeah. And I would say an even greater life ahead of us yeah. than by we far. can imagine. By far. Yeah. That's what John described. Yeah. So as a as a reader coming in, maybe I've never read Revelation or maybe I've read it, didn't really get it. If I'm trying to open Revelation, what should my mindset be as I'm reading this book? How does it apply to me right now today? You know, there, there's so many ways that it applies to us. Mm -hmm. But if you're coming to it for the first time and you're 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 seeing what John saw. And try to try to put yourself in John's place, you know, and see what he saw, and experience what he experienced, and, and come to the conclusions that he came to. That there is no way that, that there's no compromise with the world that we live in, but 
that you know the, the the only intelligent choice we have is to give ourselves fully and totally to Christ mm-hmm. without any reservation, without holding back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything to add? You know, I think I think you're right, and I think also too, just put yourself in the position of a first century Christian, right? Who's living in a minority mm-hmm. of people, not not ethnically, but right. but. Uh, religious was yeah. a minority and you have a leadership over you. You can't change and hate you mm. and read from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I think it will open your eyes a little bit to what John's original readers were thinking. And then I think it'll help you apply it to, to your yeah, life. He, he was out there. He was out there because of preaching the gospel. Yes. Mm-hmm. Evidently the Romans had put him on this Island uh, yes. as a punishment. Yeah. The whole book emanated from persecution. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. And That's, he'd seen, he'd seen, you know, he'd seen persecution his whole life. He, oh, his whole adult life. That's what he experienced. You know, pers- was um, seen the, the tribulation. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think the other thing is just don't get too hung up on getting freaked out by stuff. Mm-hmm. Just keep yeah. reminding yourself as you're reading and learning of these two basic truths: Satan loses and Jesus wins. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I was reading, um, I think it was N.T. Wright said, it's almost like Revelation shows us that Satan must be allowed to play his full hand. Yeah. Evil must be allowed to do its full work in order to show that God can still conquer that. But even in that setting, God is still holding the controls. He mm-hmm. still sets boundaries on Satan, what he can do, what he can't do. So his his power is limited as it always has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps my favorite... Uh, Chapter is chapter 12 because it really clarifies the spiritual warfare and nature that we deal with because it details Satan's fall from heaven and his defeat and in his anger, he strikes out at those who God loves most, Christians. Mm. Uh, and, and it's very clear. That's what he does. And he he says so. Um, you know, so I always tell people, whether you, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, if you are a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, you are in a war. Yeah. Uh, and you have an enemy who wants to destroy you. Uh, should you be afraid of him? No. Should you be aware of him? Yes. Mm-hmm. Be aware of him, but not afraid. You yeah. know what it makes me think about is the story of Jesus when he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And Talk I think that. that that's a reference to that hmm. in it was Revelation. A smackdown. And, and you know <laughs> what's interesting? Do you know when Jesus said that? When the 72 returned and they told hmm. the stories of what yeah. God was doing. Yeah. That is the sign of Satan's fall. Mm. So when we go out there as Christians and we live the kingdom of God on a daily basis, in spite of Satan's uh, protest and his posturing and his attacks, when we live the kingdom of God, Mm -hmm. it's a sign that Satan's fallen. Yeah. And uh, that's the the book of Revelation in a whole, in a nutshell is live the kingdom and prove Satan's defeated. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I were to challenge you to sum up Revelation, 22 chapters, one word, what would you use? Persevere. Persevere. That's good. That's our, that's our instruction. Persevere. You know, don't give up. Don't compromise. Persevere. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Dr. Meeker, thank you so much for being here. And Dwayne, thank you very much for being here. It was a pleasure. You have a class coming up if you'd Starts like February to know 4th. more. Yeah, we, uh, it's a, we go 11 weeks. Uh, we basically cover roughly two chapters each week, verse by verse, all the way through Revelation. It's fascinating. Yeah. Bring your knife and your fork and your good teeth because <laughs> it's meaty. 
<laughs> yeah, well, thank you guys so much. We hope to have you all back. And thank you very much for tuning in today to Friends You Can Grow With. <laughs>